chapter four of the pilot by james fenimore cooper this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter four behold the threatened sails borne with the invisible and creeping winds draw the huge bottoms through the furrowed sea breasting the lofty surge shakespeare it has been already explained to the reader that there were threatening symptoms in the appearance of the weather to create serious forebodings of evil in the breast of a seaman when removed from the shadows of the cliffs the night was not so dark but objects could be discerned at some little distance and in the eastern horizon there was a streak of fearful light impending over the gloomy waters in which the swelling outline formed by the rising waves was becoming each moment more distinct and consequently more alarming several dark clouds overhung the vessel whose towering masts apparently propped the black vapour while a few stars were seen twinkling with a sickly flame in the streak of clear sky that skirted the ocean still light currents of air occasionally swept across the bay bringing with them the fresh odour from the shore but their flitting irregularity too surely foretold them to be the expiring breath of the land breeze the roaring of the surf as it rolled on the margin of the bay produced a dull monotonous sound that was only interrupted at times by a hollow bellowing as a larger wave than usual broke violently against some cavity in the rock everything in short united to render the scene gloomy and portentous without creating instant terror for the ship rose easily on the long billows without even straightening the heavy cable that held her to her anchor the higher officers were collected around the capstan engaged in earnest discourse about their situation and prospects while some of the oldest and most favoured seamen would extend their short walk to the hallowed precincts of the quarter-deck to catch with greedy ears the opinions that fell from their superiors numberless were the uneasy glances that were thrown from both officers and men at their commander and the pilot who still continued their secret communion in a distant part of the vessel once an ungovernable curiosity or the heedlessness of his years led one of the youthful midshipmen near them but a stern rebuke from his captain sent the boy abashed and cowering to hide his mortification among his fellows this reprimand was received by the elder officers as an intimation that the consultation which they beheld was to be strictly inviolate and though it by no means suppressed the repeated expressions of their impatience it effectually prevented an interruption to the communications which all however thought were unreasonably protracted for the occasion this is no time to be talking over bearings and distances observed the officer next in rank to griffith but we should call the hands up and try to kedge her off while the sea will suffer a boat to live twould be a tedious and bootless job to attempt warping a ship for miles against a head-beating sea 
returned the first lieutenant but the land breeze yet flutters aloft and if our light sails would draw with the aid of this ebb tide we might be able to shove her from the shore hail the tops griffith said the other and ask if they feel the air above twill be a hint at least to set the old man and that lubberly pilot in motion griffith laughed as he complied with the request and when he received the customary reply to his call he demanded in a loud voice which way have you the wind aloft we feel a light cat's paw now and then from the land sir returned the sturdy captain of the top but our topsail hangs in the clue line sir without winking captain munson and his companion suspended their discourse while this question and answer were exchanged and then resumed their dialogue as earnestly as if it had received no interruption if it did wink the hint would be lost on our betters said the officer of the marines whose ignorance of seamanship added greatly to his perception of the danger but who from pure idleness made more jokes than any other man in the ship that pilot would not receive a delicate intimation through his ears mr griffith suppose you try him by the nose faith there was a flash of gunpowder between us in the barge returned the first lieutenant and he does not seem a man to stomach such hints as you advise although he looks so meek and quiet i doubt whether he has paid much attention to the book of job why should he exclaimed the chaplain whose apprehensions at least equal those of the marine and with a much more disheartening effect i am sure it would have been a great waste of time there are so many charts of the coast and books on the navigation of these seas for him to study that i sincerely hope he has been much better employed a loud laugh was created at this speech among the listeners and it apparently produced the effect that was so long anxiously desired by putting an end to the mysterious conference between their captain and the pilot as the former came forwards towards his expecting crew he said is in the composed steady manner that formed the principal trait in his character get the anchor mr griffith and make sail on the ship the hour has arrived when we must be moving the cheerful ay ay sir of the young lieutenant was hardly uttered before the cries of half a dozen midshipmen were heard summoning the boatswain and his mates to their duty there was a general movement in the living masses that clustered around the mainmast on the booms and in the gangways though their habits of discipline held the crew a moment longer in suspense the silence was first broken by the sound of the boatswain's whistle followed by the hoarse cry of all hands up anchor ahoy the former rising on the night air from its first low mellow notes to a piercing shrillness that gradually died away on the waters and the latter bellowing through every cranny of the ship like the hollow murmurs of distant thunder the change produced by the customary summons was magical human beings sprang out from between the guns 
rushed up the hatches threw themselves with careless activity from the booms and gathered from every quarter so rapidly that in an instant the deck of the frigate was alive with men the profound silence that had hitherto been only interrupted by the low dialogue of the officers was now changed for the stern orders of the lieutenants mingled with the shriller cries of the midshipmen and the hoarse bawling of the boatswain's crew rising above the tumult of preparation and general bustle the captain and the pilot alone remained passive in this scene of general exertion for apprehension had even stimulated that class of officers which is called idlers to unusual activity though frequently reminded by their more experienced messmates that instead of aiding they retarded the duty of the vessel the bustle however gradually ceased and in a few minutes the same silence pervaded the ship as before we are brought to sir said griffith who stood overlooking the scene holding in one hand a short speaking trumpet and grasping with the other one of the shrouds of the ship to steady himself in the position he had taken on a gun heave round sir was the calm reply heave round repeated griffith aloud heave round echoed a dozen eager voices at once and the lively strains of a fife struck up a brisk air to enliven the labour the capstan was instantly set in motion and the measured tread of the seamen was heard as they stamped the deck in the circle of their march for a few minutes no other sounds were heard if we except the voice of an officer occasionally cheering the sailors when it was announced that they were short or in other words that the ship was nearly over her anchor heave and pull cried griffith when the quivering notes of the whistle were again succeeded by a general stillness in the vessel what is to be done now sir continued the lieutenant shall we trip the anchor there seems not a breath of air and as the tide runs slack i doubt whether the sea do not heave the ship ashore there was so much obvious truth in this conjecture that all eyes turned from the light and animation afforded by the decks of the frigate to look abroad on the waters in a vain desire to pierce the darkness as if to read the fate of their apparently devoted ship from the aspect of nature i leave all to the pilot said the captain after he had stood a short time by the side of griffith anxiously studying the heavens and the ocean what say you mr gray the man who was thus first addressed by name was leaning over the bulwarks with his eyes bent in the same direction as the others but as he answered he turned his face towards the speaker and the light from the deck fell full upon his quiet features which exhibited a calmness bordering on the supernatural considering his station and responsibility there is much to fear from this heavy ground swell he said in the same unmoved tones as before but there is certain destruction to us if the gale that is brewing in the east finds us waiting its fury in this wild anchorage all the hemp that ever was spun into cordage would not hold a ship an hour chafing on these rocks with a northeaster pouring its fury on her if the powers of man can compass it gentlemen we must get an offing and that speedily you say no more sir than the youngest boy in the ship can see for himself said griffith ha here comes the schooner 
the dashing of the long sweeps in the water was now plainly audible and the little ariel was seen through the gloom moving heavily under their feeble impulse as she passed slowly under the stern of the frigate the cheerful voice of barnstable was first heard opening the communications between them here's a night for spectacles captain munson he cried but i thought i heard your fife sir i trust in god you do not mean to ride it out here till morning i like the berth as little as yourself mr barnstable returned the veteran seaman in his calm manner in which anxiety was however beginning to grow evident we are short but are afraid to let go our hold of the bottom lest the sea cast us ashore how make you out the wind wind echoed the other there is not enough to blow a lady's curl aside if you wait sir till the land breeze fills your sails you will wait another moon i believe i've got my eggshell out of that nest of grey caps but how it has been done in the dark a better man than myself must explain take your directions from the pilot mr barnstable returned his commanding officer and follow them strictly and to the letter a death-like silence in both vessels succeeded this order for all seemed to listen eagerly to catch the words that fell from the man on whom even the boys now felt depended their only hopes for safety a short time was suffered to elapse before his voice was heard in the same low but distinct tones as before your sweeps will soon be of no service to you he said against the sea that begins to heave in but your light sails will help them to get you out so long as you can head east and by north you are doing well and you can stand on till you open the light from that northern headland when you can heave to and fire a gun but if as i dread you are struck aback before you open the light you may trust to your lead on the larboard tack but beware with your head to the southward for no lead will serve you there i can walk over the same ground on one tack as on the other said barnstable and make both legs of a length it will not do returned the pilot if you fall off a point to starboard from east and by north in going large you will find both rocks and points of shoals to bring you up and beware as i tell you of the starboard tack and how shall i find my way you will let me trust to neither time lead nor log you must trust to a quick eye and a ready hand the breakers only will show you the dangers when you are not able to make out the bearings of the land tack in season sir and don't spare the lead when you head to port ay ay returned barnstable in a low muttering voice this is a sort of blind navigation with a vengeance and all for no purpose that i can see see dammy eyesight is of about as much use now as a man's nose would be in reading the bible softly softly mr barnstable interrupted his commander for such was the anxious stillness in both vessels that even the rattling of the schooner's rigging was heard as she rolled in the trough of the sea the duty on which congress has sent us must be performed at the hazard of our lives i don't mind my life captain munson said barnstable but there is a great want of conscience in trusting a vessel in such a place as this however it is a time to do and not to talk but if there be such danger to an easy draught of water 
what will become of the frigate had i not better play jackal and try and feel the way for you i thank you said the pilot the offer is generous but would avail us nothing i have the advantage of knowing the ground well and must trust to my memory and god's good favour make sail make sail sir and if you succeed we will venture to break ground the order was promptly obeyed and in a very short time the aerial was covered with canvas though no air was perceptible on the decks of the frigate the little schooner was so light that she succeeded in stemming her way over the rising waves aided a little by the tide and in a few minutes her low hull was just discernible in the streak of light along the horizon with the dark outline of her sails rising above the sea until their fanciful summits were lost in the shadows of the clouds griffith had listened to the foregoing dialogue like the rest of the junior officers in profound silence but when the aerial began to grow indistinct to the eye he jumped lightly from the gun to the deck and cried she slips off like a vessel from the stocks shall i trip the anchor sir and follow we have no choice replied his captain you hear the question mr gray shall we let go the bottom it must be done captain munson we may want more drift than the rest of this tide to get us to a place of safety said the pilot i would give five years from a life that i know will be short if the ship lay one mile further seaward this remark was unheard by all except the commander of the frigate who again walked aside with the pilot where they resumed their mysterious communications the words of assent were no sooner uttered however than griffith gave forth from his trumpet the command to heave away again the strains of the fife were followed by the tread of the men at the capstan at the same time that the anchor was heaving up the sails were loosened from the yards and opened to invite the breeze in effecting this duty orders were thundered through the trumpet of the first lieutenant and executed with the rapidity of thought men were to be seen like spots in the dim light from the heavens lying on every yard or hanging as in air while strange cries were heard issuing from every part of the rigging and each spar of the vessel ready the fore royal cried a shrill voice as if from the clouds ready the foreyard uttered the hoarser tones of a seaman beneath him all ready aft sir cried a third from another quarter and in a few moments the order was given to let fall the little light which fell from the sky was now excluded by the falling canvas and a deeper gloom was cast athwart the decks of the ship that served to render the brilliancy of the lanterns even vivid while it gave to objects outboard a more appalling and dreary appearance than before every individual excepting the commander and his associate was now earnestly engaged in getting the ship under way the sounds of we're away were repeated by a burst from fifty voices and the rapid evolutions of the capstan announced that nothing but the weight of the anchor was to be lifted the hauling of cordage the rattling of blocks blended with the shrill calls of the boatswain and his mates succeeded and though to a landsman all would have appeared confusion and hurry long practice and strict discipline enabled the crew to exhibit their ship under a cloud of canvas from her decks to the trucks in less time than we have consumed in relating it for a few minutes the officers were not disappointed by the result 
for though the heavy sails flapped lazily against the masts the light duck on the loftier spars swelled outwardly and the ship began sensibly to yield to their influence she travels she travels exclaimed griffith joyously ah the hussy she has as much antipathy to the land as any fish that swims it blows a little gale aloft yet we feel its dying breath said the pilot in low soothing tones but in a manner so sudden as to startle griffith at whose elbow they were unexpectedly uttered let us forget young man everything but the number of lives that depend this night on your exertions and my knowledge if you be but half as able to exhibit the one as i am willing to make the other we shall do well returned the lieutenant in the same tone remember whatever may be your feelings that we are on an enemy's coast and love it not enough to wish to lay our bones there with this brief explanation they separated the vessel requiring the constant and close attention of the officer to her movements the exultation produced in the crew by the progress of their ship through the water was of short duration for the breeze that had seemed to await their motions after forcing the vessel for a quarter of a mile fluttered for a few minutes amid their light canvas and then left them entirely the quartermaster whose duty it was to superintend the helm soon announced that he was losing the command of the vessel as she was no longer obedient to her rudder this ungrateful intelligence was promptly communicated to his commander by griffith who suggested the propriety of again dropping an anchor i refer you to mr gray returned the captain he is the pilot sir and with him rests the safety of the vessel pilots sometimes lose ships as well as save them said griffith know you the man well captain munson who holds all our lives in his keeping and so coolly as if he cared but little for the venture mr griffith i do know him he is in my opinion both competent and faithful thus much i tell you to relieve your anxiety more you must not ask but is there not a shift of wind god forbid exclaimed his lieutenant if that northeaster catches us within the shoals our case will be desperate indeed the heavy rolling of the vessel caused an occasional expansion and as sudden a reaction in their sails which left the oldest seamen in the ship in doubt which way the currents of air were passing or whether there existed any that were not created by the flapping of their own canvas the head of the ship however began to fall off from the sea and notwithstanding the darkness it soon became apparent that she was driving in bodily towards the shore during these few minutes of gloomy doubt griffith by one of those sudden revulsions of the mind that connect the opposite extremes of feeling lost his animated anxiety and elapsed into the listless apathy that so often came over him even in the most critical moments of trial and danger he was standing with one elbow resting on his capstan shading his eyes from the light of the battle lantern that stood near him with one hand when he felt a gentle pressure of the other that recalled his recollection looking affectionately though still recklessly at the boy who stood at his side he said dull music mr mary so dull sir that i can't dance to it returned the midshipman nor do i believe there is a man in the ship who would not rather hear the girl i left behind me than those execrable sounds 
what sounds boy the ship is as quiet as the quaker meeting in the jerseys before your good old grandfather used to break the charm of silence with his sonorous voice ah laugh at my peaceable blood if thou wilt mr griffith said the arch youngster but remember there is a mixture of it in all sorts of veins i wish i could hear one of the old gentlemen's chants now sir i could always sleep to them like a gull in the surf but he that sleeps to-night with that lullaby will make a nap of it sounds i hear no sounds boy but the flapping aloft even that pilot who struts the quarter-deck like an admiral has nothing to say is not that a sound to open a seaman's ear it is in truth a heavy roll of the surf lad but the night air carries it heavily to our ears know you not the sounds of the surf yet yonker i know it too well mr griffith and do not wish to know it better how fast are we tumbling in towards that surf sir i think we hold our own said griffith rousing again though we had better anchor luff fellow luff you are broadside to the sea the man at the wheel repeated his former intelligence adding a suggestion that he thought the ship was gathering stern way haul up your courses mr griffith said captain munson and let us feel the wind the rattling of the blocks was soon heard and the enormous sheets of canvas that hung from the lower yards were instantly suspended in the brails when this change was effected all on board stood silent and breathless as if expecting to learn their fate by the result several contradictory opinions were at length hazarded among the officers when griffith seized the candle from the lantern and springing on one of the guns held it on high exposed to the action of the air the little flame waved with uncertain glimmering for a moment and then burned steadily in a line with the masts griffith was about to lower his extended arm when feeling a slight sensation of coolness on his hand he paused and the light turned slowly toward the land flared flickered and finally deserted the wick lose not a moment mr griffith cried the pilot aloud clue up and furl everything but your three topsails and let them be double reefed now is the time to fulfil your promise the young man paused one moment in astonishment as the clear distinct tones of the stranger struck his ears so unexpectedly but turning his eyes to seaward he sprang on the deck and proceeded to obey the order as if life and death depended on his dispatch End of chapter four